Hello everyone, uh, this is Carol Etoile. Uh Welcome to another episode of Transcending Mental Illness, brought to you by Mental, Emotional, and Self-Health Mesh, a.k.a. Um, I'm sharing experiences with my mental health experiences, and um, I want to talk to you about my theory, about my experience with mental illness as an individual, and I want you all to know and this is so important, I just cannot say it enough. Everybody's process with mental wellness, whoever comes into contact with me or my podcast, I believe that everybody's experience with mental wellness is unique and different. And what we all have in common is the struggle with mental illness and emotional upset. And I have my own theory and my own experience and my own life and my own how I experienced it so what you're about to hear is just my experience once again. Um, I am in the process right now of hosting my forum board of Transcending Mental Illness. It is still titled Mental, Emotional, and Self-Health Mesh because I had trouble changing the title on that. But the title on this podcast is Transcending Mental Illness. And um, for short, I'm going to just simply call it Transcending um, but you can imagine that I have tried, I have had to be cr very creative with the way I treat my mental illness and the way I deal with my own experience with mental illness. Um, I define mental wellness in my theory as, as I said before, positive behavior and a positive attitude. And I've either misheard something or someone has misspoken or misinformed me, but I was under the impression most of my life that um, a positive attitude meant having always having positive feelings and always thinking positive thoughts. And I realized that as a human and a person dealing with the human condition, and I'm sure other humans can relate to this, we cannot always be thinking positive, thinking positively and we cannot always be feeling positive emotions. And I'll take you even deeper. I'll dive you in even deeper on my little submarine here. Emotions, I have realized, both academically and experience-wise, emotions are neither negative nor positive. I have developed my own theory about emotion. There are defense emotions, there are grief and loss emotions, there are content emotions, there are uh, elation emotions, you know, where you want to jump up and down for joy, you know, there are joy emotions. And um, anger and fear are probably the most well-known defense emotions in the human condition, at least to me anyway. When we're afraid, uh, we perceive danger either in reality or in perception. When we're angry, we, we judge something as to be uh, combative or threatening, and we feel we need to uh, combat, combat back. We need to fight back. And um, that can be either real or perceived. And uh, that's part of the human condition. You know, we're humans. We're, humans are animals. And... Um, Albeit we think in a more intelligent, we think in a higher way with our brains.
We think in a different way than uh, other animals do. And um, we have cognitive abilities that many animals don't. And we, then that's where our thinking comes in. We think about things. We think someone is out to get us, or we think that we're in, under pressure, under threat, or in danger. So um, that's human, and that is the human condition. And in my experience, I have found it necessary. If you uh, look up attitude, um, I'm going to look up at maybe look up look up the word attitude right now. Um, attitude might be described in my theory. Attitude might be described as a position. What is your attitude about something? What is your position on something? You know, like like you can you can have a sideways attitude or a you know vertical attitude or a horizontal attitude. I'm I'm talking about maybe physically. You know, there's uh, I don't know uh, there's there's related words like like longitude, latitude, altitude. Altitude is like the vertical vertical line, like um, like 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 from the the ground to the sky. Latitude, I think, is a cross, and longitude is maybe the length, maybe the length, the length of a planet, the the length, you know, like between the poles, maybe, of a planet, and um, latitude might be like the the parallels to the equator, and um, altitude is probably like the distance from the ground to the sky. Um, so. Um, I'm thinking of attitude maybe the same way. It's like a position, really. Maybe it's an maybe it's a position, a mental position, or a physical position, or maybe an emotional position. Now I'm I'm I've got my other phone here. I'm using one phone to um, record this podcast episode, and I'm using another one to do research on uh, words, so I'll know what I'm talking about. Attitude. Um, see definition, a settled way of thinking or feeling about someone or something, typically one that is reflected in a person's behavior. Okay, behavior, that's, that's another thing I mentioned in my mental wellness process, behavior. She took a tough attitude toward other people's indulgences. A position of the body proper to or implying an action or mental state. The boy was standing in an attitude of despair, his chin sunk on his chest. So, um... Let's see, informal North American, uh, uncooperative behavior, resentful or antagonistic manner. I asked the waiter for a clean fork and all I got was attitude. Yeah. So I guess I'm under the impression that attitude is like a position, a mental position, an emotional position. And it's kind of like a fixed thing. I mean, a, a, um, a feeling can be a passing thing. As maybe I described a feeling... You know, anger can pass through you, fear can pass through you, maybe even a thought can pass through your mind. Um, A sensation can pass through your body or your brain. Um, uh, I don't know, a sense can pass through your spirit, I don't know. But um, if you have an attitude, you have like a conscious position. You know, you you have like a, like for example, I, I could say I have an attitude toward the mental health system. And you might think that I've got a very combative, combative attitude about it or a very, very frightened or very uh, defensive attitude toward the mental health system. And I admit that I do. And um, 
I have to be careful with that attitude. Um, I have to keep remembering that the mental health system might, might be helpful for you or might be helpful for someone else or a bunch of other people. I can't, uh, and that, I guess that's, that's my behavior that my behavior can reflect that. Um, I'm avoiding the mental health system. That's behavior. Um, and I still feel safe avoiding it as long as I can still use it sometimes to, um, get certified for my benefits with social security or, you know, government benefits. You know, I may sometimes need a doctor to uh, certify me. I may sometimes need to consult with someone just to make sure I'm, I'm safe. And uh, as long as I am, you know, I can go about my business. So, um, attitude I think is different from a feeling or a thought. An attitude is like a fixed position. Behavior is something, you know, that you do concretely, something you do, uh, or the way you act. Okay, with that said, um, I uh, want to tell you guys, um, listeners, I want to tell you guys um, how I became aware of, or how I, or I, how I, how I think other people around me became aware that I had, I had a problem. I had a mental problem. I had a mental, mental illness or how I might've been diagnosed, um, in the first place. Um, I can remember that I had anxiety. Again, when you're four years old, you don't know what it's called. You, uh, don't know what anxiety is and you don't know what the feeling you're having is called. All I know is I was, I was scared all the time. And when you have fear, you have, that's like, that's a defense emotion in my theory. That's a defense emotion, maybe a com, even a combat emotion. You know, children are scared. Um, when you're a baby, I learned that when my own, my own lay, lay research, I learned when you're a baby, um, the only things that you're really scared of are loud noises, and falling. And when you're in the womb, when you're in the womb, I, I've heard people argue this, but when you're in the womb, usually you don't hear any loud noises. You don't really hear anything. You just hear the sound of your, maybe the sound of your mother's heartbeat, maybe, um, maybe swishing noises. I don't know. And, um, you know, you really don't hear loud banging noises or popping sounds or, you know, you don't hear you don't really hear people yelling or, you know, m maybe you do. I don't know. I've heard of womb memories. Um, when you, when you, you don't, you don't fall either because even, even when your mother falls down, albeit that, you know, the water doesn't break and, and she doesn't miscarry you. Excuse me for being graphic here. Sorry. But if you, um, if your even if your mother falls down and you're still, she doesn't have a miscarriage with you. Um, you're kind of, you know, the womb is holding you up. The amniotic fluids are still holding you up. And may maybe you might feel a little turbulence. I don't know. Maybe you'll feel like you're, oh, but you're still connected to the umbilical cord. You're still basically, you know, okay. So after you're born, you might hear some loud noises in the hospital or the place where you're born in, um, and get scared. You might, uh, um, you might fall, you know, if you, if someone leaves you somewhere or throws you up in the air and you, and you're, you know, you fall. Yeah. 
and you're going to cry. You're going to, you know, you, you'll, you'll cry when you first come out of the womb. I don't know if you fall when you come out of the womb, but those are like the first and only fears you have when you're born. All the rest of it's learned. And then, and then anger. You get angry maybe because uh, you're frustrated if you're not getting fed or if you're, you know, you're in pain or whatever and uh, you're crying out for some kind of uh, support and you don't get it. You might get angry. Again, you don't, you don't know what the feelings are called when you're that young, when you're that little. You don't know what it's called. And uh, when, you, when you start to grow up and you become aware, um, you, um, you might hear words. You might start learning, learning the language, learning words and languages, and you might still not know the definitions until adults tell you. What, the, what they are, like this is anxiety, you're feeling anxious, you might still have trouble saying the words, Angz, uh, what? Angz, uh, anxiety, mommy, you know, so, uh, God, so I remember when I, um, when I heard the word anxiety, I was reading a book, I was, I was older, and I was reading a book, maybe school age, and I was reading a, you know, just a storybook or a children's book or whatever, and I think I heard anxiety. Um, I heard the word anxious, and again, I wasn't sure what, what it meant, um, and um, so on. So you, you don't know what it is. You just feel something. You just feel like, like uh, something bad is going to about to happen. Or you, or you, you think something bad happened before, and you, and you're expecting it to happen again, or you're expecting something else to happen. You, just, you don't know for sure, but it's like you're going, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm scared, mommy, or I'm, I'm afraid, teacher, or I'm, I'm scared, sister, or whatever, or I'm, you know, that's going on. Well, anyway, I experienced that when I was a little kid. I experienced that, and um, I'm not gonna go into detail right now. I'm not sure I feel comfortable really sharing uh, the details of uh, my life experiences right now because I'm not in a place where I feel like I want to re-traumatize myself. But um, I went through at least 10 areas in my life of uh, trauma and the earliest trauma I went through that, that I consciously remember is being being uh, assaulted and being um, being made ill physically and you know being ill physically a lot and uh, going unconscious a few times, just passing out, maybe maybe going to sleep or going into a state, you know, which I learned later might have been unconsciousness and sleep and altered states of mind and um, I think it was from drugs because um, I lived with my, my aunt my aunt was raising me and she lived with a drug dealer when I was four she lived with a drug dealer and uh, she also she and my mother also associated with men and friends and babysitters and things that were um, I kinda grew up in the hippie age I'm not putting down hippies, but um, I'm acknowledging the negative effects of growing up in that um, 
in that time and place and space. Um, I believe that, that there, were, there were many adults, especially out here in uh, California. It seemed to happen after my family and I moved to San Diego. I don't, I don't know for sure what happened back in Missouri or in, or in Kansas City, but um, it probably, I think that all the stuff started for me when I was in California and I was three and um, some things happened to me, some traumas happened. And um, by the time I was five, I'd forgotten about them and I was committed to a mental institution for, for nine months. I was committed to uh, a county, a county uh, facility. And um, nine months feels like an eternity to a five-year-old child. And from that point on, I had to see many doctors, which I, which I know now were psychiatrists. And I had to see some uh, people that were called therapists. And um, I remember asking, why? Why did I have to see these people? And I, didn't, I never got any straight answers. Oh, you've got, uh, you, you have trouble with your, uh, your mental health. You know, that was a phrase that got thrown about all the time. Um, my mother was on supplementary security income because she was legally blind. And she, uh, she and the hospital got it for me because I was just, I was defunct. Um, I think it was offered to me. My mother had it. I had it. We, we had Medicaid. And um, as long as I had this uh, mental illness, I, um, I was receiving benefits. But I didn't know what it was. And when I started working with my mentor, we both agreed that um, the doctors had diagnosed me with some pretty serious mental illnesses, a couple of Axis One mental illnesses, generalized anxiety disorder, um, depression, you know, major depression, two Axis One disorders um, I was diag still diagnosed with as an adult. I didn't know what I was diagnosed with as a child. I was also diagnosed with, with borderline personality disorder, an Axis II problem, and um, I'm not sure what complex PTSD is. I don't know if that's in the DSM yet. I think it should be if it's not. And I think it should be evaluated as a mental disability, whether it's temporary or permanent. I think, you know, m again, my theory again. But um, I'll tell you something um, that's been really getting to me lately. My mentor and I have this theory that um, my preoccupation with intimacy and relational issues and sex and um, crushes and limerence are my mental illness because they have precipitated and generated and exacerbated and caused much of the anxiety and the depression. I believe depression is a reaction to overwhelm. I believe that anxiety is free-floating fear that that's hard to put your finger on unless you know, unless you start maybe remembering some stuff and you start learning how to, how to cope with those memories and those flashbacks. 
And um, if you want to insert something like chemical imbalance, I know that's still doctor's favorite subject, and that's still um, experts and peers' favorite subjects. Um, I remember seeing a therapist um, when I was in my 30s, and she was saying, Carol, you've got a chemical imbalance. You're shooting off chemicals all the time. And I looked her right in the eye, and I, and I said, um, I said, Lana, that's not her real name. I said, Dr. Lana, um, I wonder why I'm shooting off these chemicals. Am I having a PTSD response? Am I, uh, am I shooting off chemicals because... I'm feeling combative all the time, or I'm feeling uh, nervous all the time, or I'm feeling uh, defensive all the time. And she just gave me this blank look as, it, as if to say, are you doing my job, Carol? And I, part of me did not give a damn about her reaction at all, because I knew I, I might be right about it. You know? So uh, if you want to say, I have a chemical imbalance, now, I was confronted on this forum board that I joined recently. I was told, uh, it's a chemical imbalance, Carol. Um, your suicidal ideations are from a chemical imbalance, not, um, not from feeling endless torture. And, um, and, and, I, and I said to them, I said to them, uh, this can be from environment or from biochemistry. And I don't know, and I don't even care as long as I don't act on those feelings or ideations. And I, I left it right, right at that. And um, I blocked him for a while so he wouldn't keep hassling me, but then I unblocked him after, uh, you know, he, he said a few things that were, uh, that were a little better. I think he seemed to back off a little bit and realize he was just expressing his opinion, especially as a peer. So, um, yeah, that felt a little better, and we worked through that. Uh, it's about persevering. It's about um, prevailing and working through all this uncomfortableness. We're going to have disagreements. But I, I believe now we all have a right and a responsibility to have our beliefs and our um, perceptions of things. And um, I really believe that um, whether, whether my mental illness should have been temporary or permanent. Now, now if it was permanent, maybe... Maybe it was because it was just never effing dealt with. I mean, I was never taught how. I was never even told or validated that I, that I was going through trauma. I confronted my aunt about the drugs, about the drug dealer. I confronted her about the, uh, the assaults that were happening when she was not there, when my mother wasn't even there. And she didn't believe me, of course. She said, oh, Carol, oh, Carol, that's... that's uh, that's crap. You know, n nobody did anything to you. Well, my aunt was not in the room. My aunt was not in my mind. My aunt was not me. And I told her so. I said, you were not in the room, auntie. You were not me and you were not in my mind. And you reside in a whole other reality. And you have a right to not believe me. You have a right to reside in whatever reality you want. But I friggin' experienced it. And I, and I, and ladies and gentlemen, I know that People might lie and make up stories, but I did not make that up, and I did not, I'm not making it up that I even knew a famous person. I'm kind of throwing things around a little. I knew a famous person. My mother and I were friends with a famous person. I F you not, and I'm not going to name the famous person because I don't want to sensationalize, but we did, and we were friends with her. So 
things that are unbelievable and hard to fathom, it doesn't mean they're not made, it does not mean they're made up necessarily. When people make things up and mess around, in my opinion, again, I think that they're, they're ruining it for people that are telling the truth <laughs> because a lot, of, a lot of people don't believe people because of things that are unbelievable. It's pretty disturbing, the stuff that I'm sharing. And um, I find it hard to believe, too, sometimes that, that I knew this famous person. And it was, that was a positive memory. But I, um, you know, I remember, I remember practicing in her studio with her. I remember her and me and my mom taking road trips to visit her, her family. I mean, those memories were real, just as, my, just as the memories of what I went through negatively earlier in my life were real. And uh, trauma can cause, environment can cause mental illness. You know, you, you torture someone long enough or you, I don't know, you, 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 uh, you mess with their mind enough or, or some, or I don't know, they, they, live, they live with tornadoes every day. They're going to go crazy after a while. Maybe they'll adapt or they'll die. But I don't think living in tornadoes every day is going to be conducive to someone sane I mean, mental illness can be environmental. You know, if you don't believe that, you can look it up if you want to, or have your own opinion if you want to. But um, my preoccupation with certain things I know was caused by being traumatized. And I have a responsibility to that, and I have, I have an ownership to that, to act like an adult, to learn how to act like an adult through it or to keep on feeling like a victim and feeling like, like a three-year-old, four-year-old kid. I have a choice as to how I deal with it, and I'm going to keep studying it and figuring out ways to deal with it in the other modules of my mental wellness process, my behavioral module and my emotions and thoughts process module, my health module, my life purpose module. I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing research on it for myself. And um, again, everybody's mental wellness process is different and unique and I encourage you to do that hope you're all safe um, I've almost spent 30 minutes on this this is probably the longest episode I've made on here but uh, there you go my preoccupations and um, my ruminations and my reactions to trauma earlier in my life are my mental illness a reaction to overwhelm and a free-floating fear generalized anxiety, major depression. Of course, maybe there's some biochemical stuff. Maybe I have some lesions on my brain, too. You know, I that was diagnosed when I was 11. I had an EEG, and that was diagnosed. So I've got something going on. But I, I realize that's not all I am. And I don't want you to think if you've got an issue going on, I don't want you to think that's all you are either. No matter what it is, we all have our unique life experiences. End of recording.